0: Welcome Larry and welcome David. How are you two this evening?
1: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um yeah, been a long day but looking forward to having a chat with you John. It's been a while.
0: Yeah. It's good to good to see you again and also to um to watch the film again. Such a powerful work. Um yeah, how are you doing David?
2: Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's been um feel feel quite zoomed out today, but you know, let's let's do this. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. So I wanted to start with some
0: quite simple questions. Um, I thought it would be good to ask you a little bit about your collaboration, just as for a bit, for a bit of context. Um, so when did you start working together? That sort of thing.
2: Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) I can start if you want.
2: Go for it, Larry.
1: So, and unless I'm incorrect, please excuse me. I'm getting older. Um, yeah, David and I, we met in 2013. Um, we'd known about each other's uh, respective practices for years. Uh, personally, I've been told about David's work time and again, particularly from my years studying at the Slade on the EMA between 2006, 2008. Um, and then I was reminded again of his practice um, about a year prior, 2012. Um, and I guess, yeah, I'd always been interested in in his um, I guess his devotion to, to hip hop and aspects of popular culture that I felt in the art scene perhaps weren't being allowed to be kind of spoken about because, you know, whenever popular culture is mentioned, it's mentioned as low culture and especially black culture as well. So um, I went along to a talk that uh, David was doing for a, a new work that he'd made that had been uh, produced by Art um called Biter, which involved David uh, trying to remember Rhymes from the uh, the Wu Tang Clan's catalog um, within uh, Sigmund Freud's uh, consultation kind of space in in West London, and um, yeah, I mean, it, I I was blown away, and then kind of just like, whoa, like the audacity of this white dude to to, <laughs> to rhyme these rhymes, but like, I guess I was really interested in in how this person was really into these forms of culture that I'd personally been told. For years, had nothing to do with art you know and and were very much a strong part of my own upbringing, having grown up in east london um you know where where when you think about grime, the history of that and garage and so on um it's the birthplace um so yeah, I mean, we, we we shared some words. I think I gave you a record, David, one of the the modular project records, and then David got back in touch like a few months later. To be honest, I didn't. Yeah, Larry. <laughs> I didn't expect that we would kind of you know stay in contact, um, but it was really just like kind of like showing respect to an artist whose work that that I thought was was interesting, and yeah, David got back in contact, and I guess the rest was kind of history. We we got speaking about. About collaborating together, I think David had been approached about doing a a project in in Moscow or or somewhere like that. It didn't, it fell through. But like I was
2: like, oh wow, really? I've forgotten like, about that completely. But yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Was first
1: thing. It was a text message. I remembered yeah. it. Like it just came straight of No, I was like, what? Are you sure? Like you want to? So, so yeah. I don't know, David. Probably you want to add more elements to where we open things up from there.
2: Um, yeah, and then I mean that was. You know, really, it started as um, as an experiment, as an experiment in um, collaborating across our practices. You know, as, as soon as we started getting to know each other, um, it was obvious we had so much in common in terms of our, our interests, in terms of popular culture, hip-hop, interest in video games, video game history, um, that kind of... Um, slippery thing between popular culture and 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 art culture um what belongs in the white cube all of those things and that was what what led us to our first collaboration which was the Biter's project which was um us being a hip-hop crew and going to different um art spaces and um kind of music venues and performing as as a hip-hop duo and it was during those um those journeys to those places and and kind of you know just getting to know each other that we started talking about more the um, the systemic issues that were going on the the things behind what we were talking about and that's what led to the Finding Fanon project which really kind of led on to the whole body of work that we're talking about today because um, yeah the whole genetic automata project is is like the the next stage after after Finding Fanon, which was yeah kind of a exploration of the the ideas of um, Franz Fanon wrote um, right. uh, Black Skin White Masks, Wretch of the Earth, um, incredible philosopher, psychiatrist, um, agitator, um, freedom fighter. And um and just thinking about what, what his writings mean today. And um, and it gave us a mode for um writing in a way. There's uh, particularly like the intro to black skin white masks, has a, a certain kind of mixture of um, the declamatory, the theoretical, the um, the analytical, which um, I think I think still sort of uh, influences our collective writing. But um, it, yeah, it's all yeah, that definitely.
1: stuff. I mean, even for me individually, um, Fanon's writing kind of kept me through through my undergrad at Westminster, and and then later on uh, at the Slade DMA. The I think without without those writings, I think I'd have just left Um, because, you know, as much as there are things that that worked about the courses, uh, I've never really felt like it was made for me or someone like me. Um, and, And Fanon just manages to cut through a lot of bullshit and make that very clear. I think that a lot of writers, theorists are not able to do that because they're too kind of caught up in, in language being too exclusivised, or it just goes to some other planet that it doesn't need to. But for me, um, as a you know, young Black East London kid from Bethnal Green, I was able to relate my own experiences of you know being stopped and searched repeatedly by police, falsely arrested by police based on my race, like various other aspects of treatment of race, racism. And uh, and and to bring that into that 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 contemporary moment from, from a piece of writing like David said, you know, been written decades and decades previously. So yeah, those writings, I guess, they've sat with me and and within my practice and I guess just the way I, I live and think uh, in, in in general. And um the Fanon project allowed us to perhaps open things up in a conversational manager, a, a, a conversational um space, uh, perhaps similar to that of maybe considering, you know, the the meeting between uh, Jean-Paul Startre and then, and then Fanon, which we yeah. kind of, you know, bring out with, within the film. And of course with the, the voiceover by, by Hayley Dre, Rose. Uh,
0: yeah. Larry, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Larry, I wonder, did you, did you feel like other people were reading Fanon at the time? Because I know there was like slightly earlier, there was like a the Mirage conference at the ICA yeah. and like, like there were mm-hmm. you know uh, like Isaac Julian and Mark Nash made a film there, there, there was yeah. there was energy around Fanon at a previous moment but when you were reading or you, you yeah. used to the two of you,
1: yeah I mean when I was reading I mean <laughs> other students they definitely went they went into it perhaps in a way that it's kind of like making its grams now like yeah. it was it was just that you know my my, my two eyes was really good and he helped me get into the the, the, the Slade uh, Pete Owen, who, who ran city racing years and years ago in, in, in Leighton, um, recommend, just recommended the book to me and, and said, look, there are things in here that even I won't be able to kind of teach you or talk to you about, which I appreciated, you know, it's like just a white man being honest about that kind of thing. Um, but no, at the time, no, the, that, that writing, it, unless, you know, thinking about, you know, those, the, the, the Mirage conference, the InnovA uh, produced con- conference and, and, and books that kind of, you know, followed that touched on Fanon's ideas, I wasn't finding any of that anyway. And so it just felt, um, I guess, yeah, there's a difference of feeling between like reading at that point in time compared to now, obviously, and and, and in a good way, in, in a very fortunate sense, and especially due to things like the, 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 the internet uh, being allowed, the the allowing of uh, distribution of, of information, which is far much more easier now, and, and, and journals being able to exist online and without having to pay stupid fees, things like that um you know seeing like even the term you know decolonial like, i remember when that time just wasn't it you know it wasn't even mm-hmm. a thing right mm-hmm. but but i will say that you know when i was when i started reading which was like you know what early early to mid 2000s um I, I remember coming into conversations with people that become an argument and like, oh you know that stuff's not true or you know you're just thinking stuff or you're a bit, bit too angry it's like no actually like you know that lived experience is true mm-hmm. and um So yeah, it's interesting to, I guess, to be living, you know, later on down the line at this point in time where, unfortunately, when I think about, you know, some, you know, students that I have, that they're they're, they're able to talk about these things which perhaps are a bit more open. Still, there are many problems, many structural issues, but I think that um, those debates have opened up a bit more. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So I wanna talk a bit about, well, (laughs) as you might expect, I wanna talk about the film we just watched. Just to begin, I wonder, could you just tell us what's in the film, just in really simple terms? Like, what did we, what did we just see? What, what were those images? Where were they from?
2: Okay, so um, you got a whole whole mixture of um, different computer-generated images from um, mostly constructed inside Unity. So there's um, a like a, a shack in a swamp, there's a um kind of default city from Unity, there's a um like futuristic science lab, and there's sort of a bunch of sci-fi corridors, um all of which are being kind of mucked around with and, and moved about and um reconfigured. And then a virtual camera has been sent through them. Um, while this um, black blob kind of expands or takes over, mutates. Um, and yeah, it was, it, it, that's, that's kind of it in the nutshell. And then, then you have this, this whole segment in the middle, which is, is, um, appropriated from Resident Evil 5. So it's parts of a playthrough that Larry did of, of Resident Evil 5 where um and then we've zoomed into certain parts of it so you're really looking at the figures rather than necessarily the back of chris's head okay thank you
0: um david you told me something you tell me quite a good story actually about that (laughs) resident evil 5 sample which i'm just going to probe you for well actually i mean i can just repeat it rather than performing it but um (laughs) you you tell me that uh to get a specific outfit The safari suit, I believe, Larry needed to complete it on a certain setting, and I just really enjoyed that story because it, for me, really encapsulated your um, um, relationship to the source material, where you can sort of be critical, you can take from it, but you're also going at it from a place, a place of love, and it's sort of we were talking about how it's, um, you know, it's a it's a form of sampling, but you've got to. It's like if you were sampling a record and you had to kind of play along in key or something before 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 you getting the sample. I just found that really, really interesting. Yeah, I mean
1: part of the, the part of the experience of that was not too dissimilar from that of when we utilized you know, the Grand Theft Auto video game engine for you know for the Fanon series. You know, we we did loads of leveling up, loads of playing online, loads of dying. um s- but I guess where where some of the uh, the the, the diversions kind of happens. Um, I mean, I, I'm just gonna say I'll be honest. Like I, I love the Resident Evil series. Resident Evil Five, though, for me, is one of the worst games in in the series. Um, and I I don't really love Grand Theft Auto either. Like I love the first game, the first game, and then Grand Theft Auto London, both top down arcade style, mm-hmm. jump in, jump out. Um, I guess my problems with, with uh, Resident Evil, which for me, I kind of called cool to mind when, when, we, when David and I were having earlier conversations, was just me thinking about my own personal first playthrough. Um, I was so excited for the game to be released after having played Resident Evil 4, which I think is actually one of the greatest video games of all time. But also it's one of the, the video games. Um, if you look at the history of gaming, third-person shooters, etc., you think of the likes of Gears of War um, and so on. They 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 took from you know the, the the types of mechanics that that were kind of built in, in Resident Evil 4, which was a very different type of game compared to the other games, which had fixed camera angles. You know, you, you're actually moving your your camera, your your, your camera with the character, um, and um, this this sense of, of of horror was it it, it kind of it, it it was much faster pace, but it was such a long journey. But anyway, getting back to Resident Evil Five, part of the reason why I, I had a problem with it, apart from like ridiculous like stereotypes that didn't kind of like, you know, where the I guess the 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 designers, the creators, didn't kind of think much about what they were producing, was actually just the racism within it, the 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 complete kind of uh, racism of the treatment of, of, of black characters, you know, this was written a little bit about when, when the game was like being previewed and stuff. But I think, you know, again, if, you know, just like the question that you asked me about in terms of like, you know, me experiencing fanon's writing, you know, early 2000s compared to now, um, not many people were talking about it. I mean, you'll see people writing or talking etc. more about it now, but at the time, you know, there were a couple of articles and so on that were written and, um, I believe that you know the uh, Capcom they they made some changes to like a couple of scenes so there 's a scene for example, where a white woman uh, gets dragged into this apartment in this block, so in the original build it was it was these black guys that like pulled her in but then, after the uh, the feedback that they kind of like received based on i guess beta testing development or whatnot, they then changed that to they changed that to to, to men of color still, but they were you know what uh, more, more like skin tone wise closer to white um and, you know, even, even like some of the, um, you know, there's loads of literature, of course, in the Resident Evil games. You find loads of files. You find loads of, uh, you know, diary excerpts and stuff. Um, and in my second playthrough, I, I decided to read so much more of it. And I just thought, wow, like, they had so much. The thing is, they could have made an incredible video game. They could have made an, a video game that really just flipped the world on, on the virtual, let alone, like, the history of, like, zombie culture and even the, you know, the maltreatment of that, right, within Hollywood. But they just soon right past it for this thing where you play this hulking Chris Redfield, who used to be skinny in the previous games mind you we'll, we'll not get into that, but like um the obvious gunning down of like of 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 black folk like it's like it's okay and and what because they're they're infected that that kind of makes it or deems it all right, so you know it it was it was strange, I guess, like playing playing through that game to complete it to get this crazy ridiculous safari outfit which we didn't film in the end i, I don't think we did, did we, we didn't we we well we captured but we just didn't utilize in the film we used mm. we used the uh, the, the regular mm. outfit but this this really strange kind of you know african kind of style of like outfit with these separate stripes and everything and i i remembered like that you could get it and i was like okay well i'm going to complete it and then let's see how it works within that but um you know it's just an example of you know racism and and you know prejudice within video games history again obviously if we think about games uh, right now uh, you know cyberpunk for example is very problematic in terms of you know the the racist elements within that in terms of like you know the the the, the typical kind of like japanese evil evil corporation that you know plans to like take over and whatnot and then also the use of uh, tribal um symbols from communities Um, Hmm. uh, in a way that is very, very insensitive. In fact, Resident Evil even does that as well. They do that with um, the the Sheva character. So she has a um, some people will know if they're really into it. She has a a tattoo on the side of her of her um, arm was it a Dinka symbol so from my culture Shanti culture uh and and the meaning of the word ajinyame which is only god only god can break these two cutlasses you know again even with her character as well you know they kind of they went for a kind of like a, a, a mixture of like european and african kind of you know character and and, and even again her character was is, is really oh, it's oh, some of the worst kind of um Black sidekick character that you can create. You can see how they, they obviously tried to go for you know a light a light skin uh, you know kind of like appearance of 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 black woman, um, and one obviously with a Europeanized accent as well because that's always going to go down well, right? Um, even even th- th- there are even um, conversations between her and Chris. The way that she talks about some of the uh, the, the, the the people within this this kind of West African like region that just it's like, what the hell were these people thinking? So when you think about so, so much of that, you know, it, it felt like a really important place to perhaps explore for sure, if, if, if we're continuing to explore, you know, popular culture, um, yeah. because it's interesting, but there, there are so many holes and problems with that, right? So
0: yeah. I mean, One of the things that's really interesting about video games and about some of the techniques that you two use and the strands you have in your practice is that you're able to you're able to take a text which has these kind of problems and you can find ways to hack it. So rather, so whether that's um, using like di- the director mode in um, Grand Theft Auto 5 or the process you've described for um, for Resident Evil Five, you can sort of rework the material in a way that I mean, certainly with like the Grand Theft Auto V stuff, you wouldn't be able to do that with other kinds of text, like you couldn't do that with a film. And mm. I think there's something very exciting about that because you think of um, you know, think of the budgets of, the, of, the, of these things compared to yeah. the budget you might be given to make a work. And you know you wouldn't, be able to, you wouldn't be able to just like put, put yourselves into like a contemporary Hollywood blockbuster and manipulate the world like that. And I think, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's really exciting
1: yeah no agreed it's um, it yeah We, we I think you know in the, the real or the real world or the meat space as it were yeah that just wouldn't be possible I know I'd be priced up for sure so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah
2: so- I think yeah I think that's, that's key to it too though is that I think we're both coming to these things from inside the culture we're both you know dedicated yeah. video gamers uh, worked in a video game shop for a couple of years <laughs> which was kind of what a lot of the the meat of my work in fact like how I came to be lip-syncing to the Wu-Tang clan was through through that whole kind of that process and and um kind of finding myself in those spaces and kind of that dislocation between what I appear to be to many people and and what's going on inside my head and that's that's kind of where where all that lip-syncing stuff came out came from and then yeah led on to onto all the work with with larry and stuff so um it's it's kind of embedded in both our practices i think it's just, just that um kind of dedication to exploration through practice like so the practice is is the engagement is just the living mm. li- living inside these spaces and seeing seeing where they go seeing what they mean
0: okay um Okay, so just to get on to a bit more of the the, the content of A Lament for Power. So at its core um, is the story of Henrietta Lacks. Um, so you've got the first half of the voiceover, which directly addresses Henrietta Lacks. Um, so I'll just for the benefit of the audience, I'll just explain a bit about who Henrietta Lacks was. So she was a working class African-American woman who died from cervical cancer in 1951. Cells from her cancer were removed during the treatment and were then cultured into the cell line Healer, which was the first immortalized human cell line and maybe the most important cell line in medical research. And previously, cells cultured from humans would only last a few days, but Henrietta Lacks' cells were found to be extremely durable and prolific. So then you have the situation where Henrietta Lacks was eventually buried in an unmarked grave but her cells and her cells were taken without her consent and without the knowledge of her family until at least the mid 70s so these cells then went on to be used for um you know to eradicate polio and for important cancer research but yeah there's this um sort of terrible kind of like contradiction um at at the heart of this where Mm. um about about kind of how Henrietta Lacks herself was treated so I just wanted to ask kind of how how you came to the story and what what kind of what drew you in
2: well we were yeah we were taking part in a, a residency at, at Essex University and we were talking to um a biologist there It was part of the thing was was kind of we were trying to continue what we've been doing with um a terrible fiction with um with Arts Catalyst and um Trying to build on that and actually work with experts in the field. So we were talking to uh, Dr. Antonio Marco, and he uh, we were talking about yeah genetics and um, the kind of complication of um, genetic analysis and and how um, little um, race has to do with that. And um, he brought up the story of Henrietta Lacks, and that really was. The start of um, our research and um, exploration of that story, um, and then, yeah, it was it was then how how to, I guess, make the viewer embody that story, and that's that's how we came to the to the third person in there. But then there's kind of a a, a kind of essential moment inside inside the script where it actually turns around and starts to really make you think about the validity of, of us as artists taking on this story. How do, how do we have the, the right to, to talk about this? Um, how do we have the right to, to talk about, um, anything really? And, um, that's, that's kind of how you lead to the, uh, the black screen at the end where it's like, you know, the image, the image is gone and, um, you're left with with the voice and and your own um, feelings, I guess. Um, do you want to talk to you about that, Larry?
1: Yeah. Uh, what, what 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 point? I mean, I guess what kind of sprang up for me from what you were saying, David, was I guess the uh, the point in time in which we're we're making this work, mind you, like COVID is kind of it's 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 doing its rounds. It's doing it slowly. Um, so I guess. You know, to answer part of your question about, like, residency, it wasn't really a physicality to it, of sorts, like, you know, <laughs> um, the, the way that David and I would usually work, like, David will come to, he used to come to my studio space that was at, at Somerset House when I was a resident there. Of course, not there anymore. I'm based here in, in Perth, in Essex. Um, and, and then, of course, you know, coronavirus made the rounds across, you know, the, the, the UK, lockdown ensued and so on. Um, and we found ourselves, I guess, in a predicament that the the only point at which it was affected was the the lack of opportunity to be able to like visit or revisit, um, you know, Essex University, the faculty, like departments and stuff, because there were things we wanted to do with, you know, ro- robotics and all kinds of things there that they they had great facilities for. So that was unfortunate, but. We knew we could still create something based on uh, the our approaches, both individually and then collaboratively. Uh, in, in terms of like making, we 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 do a lot of things remotely, right? So that wasn't so much of a problem. It it just I guess it became a, a challenge, perhaps for us to you know respond to that like uh, w- within the I guess the limits that we were given. But then. You know, and I was just like looking it up just to like make sure and and, and get the, uh, the the exact quoting. But like you know, when when the, the the virus was spreading around the 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 planet, you know, you had like doctors like um, you know spouting like the usual kind of like racist terminology about how they're going to like do testing on 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 Africans. Like for example, uh, what is it? Um, uh, was it doctor called John Paul Mira saying? Uh, if I can be provocative, shouldn't we be doing this study in Africa uh, where there are no masks, no treatments, uh, no resuscitation? Uh, A bit like as it's done elsewhere uh, for some studies in AIDS, in prostitutes who try things uh, because we know that they are highly exposed and that they do not uh, protect themselves. You know, so like these these ridiculous um, continued uh, approaches uh, which, you know, when when talking about you know medical history they're not really it's not it's not historical it's contemporary it's still happening it's still going yeah. on so of yeah. course coronavirus I guess obviously it just it just happened that that at the time that that affected the way that we worked but again there were there were just so many connections I think in relation to uh how we were how we were thinking and how we intended to have or open up a uh, a conversation about this and I think one of the things that really hit home for me personally was I guess just uh my my personal, if I'm honest with you, lack of trust towards authorities, whether that's like mm. medical or police or whatnot. Um uh based on on the treatment of, of of black people and particularly myself as a black person, right? So um that made its way through. I guess my personal approach to the, uh, the 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 text writing kind of space, you know, again, David and I, we go away, we we we, we write. It's probably almost as if we're writing to each other because, like, I always feel like I'm writing to you, David. And sometimes I feel like I'm shouting at you. Sometimes I'm like, "Come on, listen," yeah. like, or whatever. And you know, and so, and then we bring that together. And um, and then, of course, you know, we 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 manage to uh, with 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 the help of of uh, the folk at Texas. Uh, Christ University where we mm. did did a show a couple of years ago uh got in touch with uh vocalist American vocalist by the name of uh Shiren uh, Keaton who, who's work on worked on a range of you know records and Grammy winning records and things etc uh she was just really she was incredible she just kind of she got it and um I think it's the first time that we work with you know uh like a professional professional vocalist per se you know we usually, yeah work with people who just have a voice or or whatnot Mm. but um she just she got everything and you know we 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 had a, a session across zoom where she was recording live and um and that went pretty pretty smoothly so
2: yeah yeah we essentially had two takes didn't we I mean well there were more than two takes there were the two two really good takes one was like kind of yeah just just you know do it full full full-on like how she wanted to do it basically like acting it out and being embodying the character and the other was like do it as like deadpan as possible (laughs) like kind of really really tone it down and so what you have in the final soundtrack is is that it's like the the deadpan version first and then like halfway through it kind of cuts to that that more more impassioned one for the for the final section okay
0: thank you um I've got a few more questions but I just wanted to make another call to the audience to post some questions so we can have an opportunity to hear from uh, some other people. Um, I mean I'm uh, so I guess just reflecting on Henrietta Vacks' story it's a story I came across I've come across before through the work of of another artist um, Sonia Dyer who's also really interested in genre but The genre she's interested in is is sci-fi, so she takes it somewhere completely different to uh, to to you guys. It's actually quite makes for quite an interesting comparison. Um, And I guess you you know you guys you kind of you're thinking about you're thinking about horror and that for me does some really interesting things. So drawing on the Resident um, Evil text it just really kind of makes clear kind of how barbaric. her her treatment her treatment was it's sort of like using this i mean it's not even really a metaphor anymore but using this idea of the zombie like what you what what do you have i mean just to be blunt is you have um somebody whose cells are made undead they're in a zombified state so that they can be exploited forever and ever and that's that's sort of i guess an instance where a genre like horror which is often kind of you know, going back to what Mary said, like denigrated to low culture becomes becomes really quite a useful a useful tool. And something that actually um has been probably quite useful throughout throughout this year because the situation we've we've been in has at times become you know like a horror movie like we're kind of told to um we you know we have to kind of fear our fear our neighbors and fear our um even family members it's like a, you know it's like we're kind of at the climax of a um uh you know as zombie outbreak um but yeah i just wanted to ask a little bit more about your about your interest in your interest in horror
1: gosh (laughs) (laughs) i'll go on forever with this really i mean like you know, I turn the camera. And you see my DVD collection. Like horror, horror is something that I just grew up watching. Like my mum, my mum like raised me, my brother, my sister, just watching all kinds of films, like action films, Hollywood trash, kung fu, like Bollywood, the lot. Like and and loads of films are sometimes like there were no no subtitles even. So yeah. like you you kind of got to grips with the mannerisms that people were kind of like bringing with their body language. But with horror, I mean. <clears throat> So the thing for me with horror is, um, you know, and I think people kind of like this, like until quite recently, I guess, when the likes of like Jordan Peele, like created, you know, Get Out or films like Us, I feel like the, the horror genre has kind of, in some respects, like been quite dismissed as like a thing of like, oh, it's, it's just cheap fun or whatever. With that, yeah, in some respects, of course it is. But I think that there are things within horror that like exposes um, the some of the ills or the madness within society uh that or, or that is introduced into society right that um you know if you think about like john carpenter's films like they live you know the, um, i was gonna i was
2: gonna say that right yeah
1: <laughs> sorry get there first. Um, wait in line
2: uh, uh and then you know yeah and like dawn of the dead or something like yeah. anyway yeah
1: George Romero's, oh, yeah, yeah, Dawn of the Dead or even Night of the Living Dead, right? And even yeah. that as a film was quite in, in, incredible in that, you know, yeah. they had a, you know, a, a black lead within this yeah. kind of film. Like, you just didn't have that. Um, conversations that relate to race, uh, to, 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 to gender, sexuality and so on, they become so much more possible because in, 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 in that culture of filmmaking, the, the the conversations are just much more straight to the point we 've added element of 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 certain tropes within cinema that people see at face level it 's like oh it 's just like some silly prosthetics or whatnot so um you know like i 've always i guess my my taste or kind of like feeling about horror though as a kind of like genre has it got a more sophisticated over time and the way that I think about it. So, you know, I developed a film which I released in my solo practice in 2019 called The Expulsion, which looks at the experience of like doing cleaning jobs um, with my mum, thinking about uh, the experience um, through my mum and that of like, you know, my aunties and, and, and other people, people of colour, black people, um, whom, whom are just like, they're not seen, they're invisible. Um, you know, there's a horror and reality to, to doing that that, that that type of work. I've seen it, I've lived it. Um, I wouldn't like to go back to that again. You know, the, the horror of not being seen, the horror of, of, of violence, of being in these these massive kind of spaces that, like, if something happened to you, no one would hear you. You know, it's like that, that quote that is used in, what is it? <laughs> like the first alien. You know, alien, you know, yeah. The screen, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So um, I think, you know, following that for me, Moving into the conversations with David, talking about this, it became very easy to con- to consider those those possibilities because you know because the unfortunately that reality of of, of horror cont- uh, continues for mm. um for, for oppressed people and especially black people. So mm. yeah, don't know if you have anything to add to that, David.
2: Yeah, I think maybe maybe it's you know what's happened during this pandemic is that that um, that. You know, that that kind of marginalized oppression has has expanded out into the whole of culture that that people have felt that pressure um that um you know you're undervalued uh, useless whatever like just because of who you are and that's become become everyone because it's you know we're all we're all part of the virus chain so we all have to be kind of you know restrained and and constrained and our bodies are kind of yeah, they're 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 worthless. Cause if they were worth something, then surely they would have stopped this virus before it got spread. So like, you know, what came first, the economics. And that, that's the other side of the, the film is is the idea of of um disaster capitalism and mm-hmm. um the sovereign individual, this this book that William Reeks Mogg wrote, um Jacob Reeks Mogg's dad, um, about how um the world's going to hell in a handbasket or whatever it's called. And that we've got to all make as much money as possible and create our own silos um, so that we can kind of profit out of this destruction. That's what the book is. And that's what William, uh, Jacob Rees-Smog's doing now. So yeah, bingo. That's
0: where we get to.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I've, when I was watching the film, I was trying to, um, like specifically on horror, I was trying to make sense of, what what a zombie would mean would mean today, and just mm. thinking about how, like, what, you know, it's one of the kind of tropes you have in horror. That's it's actually quite a quite a slippery sign. Like zombies mean different things at, at different times. Um, mm. Usually, it's like a it's like another that that we're supposed to be scared of. It's mm. anotherness, which is contagious. But that's been like really really different. It's been kind of you know communism. It's been it's been AIDS. It's been like loads 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 of things and. Today, like what, like how, how does that function? Is it just that, like, with in a pandemic, everybody becomes becomes that other, and you just have to kind of retreat? I mean, how how would well, you make I think, sense of
1: it? Well, 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 well I personally like to think perhaps a bit more about um was it George a. Romero's? I think it's La- Land of the Dead. I think it was made like early late late nineties or early two thousands. It had Dennis Hopper in it, I believe, and okay. uh, like if you want, like, I, I highly recommend it. Like, it's one, it's it's so weird because, like, I, I think it, it, it didn't review well, but as far as I'm concerned on the social, I mean, all of the films that he did of the Dead series, are social and political, some are just better than others, but this, this to me is very, you know, in, in terms of the the Living Dead films, there's Night of the Living Dead, there's Dawn of the Dead, and then there's, was it, Land of, I, I think that that's what it is, I remember it. Um, But, you know, like, it, it explores explores race and and, um, and, and, and class. And, and that's the thing, I don't, like, with, with, with this virus, like, we're not really in it together and, and not the way that it's either been written about or spoken about. You know, I can tell you for a fact, um, based on, on, on my own experiences of, of of having lived in flats all of my life and, and thinking about the fact of people who do live in, in, in blocks of flats, right, those people are more likely to catch the virus, right, than, than, than people who live in, in, in houses because we think about the, the, the cramped conditions. And then you think about statistics such as the fact that, you know, black people make up, like, what, 3% of, of the UK's population, for example, we're four more times likely to catch it. I remember talking to someone about it the other day about that. And they're like, oh, well, maybe it's to do with, like, you know, uh, there being, like, unhealthy black people. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, f- do the numbers think about it? Don't, don't, first of all don't say something stupid like that but really think about what it is that that's that's being implicated here right um so so that, that 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 film like it it explored the way like like the the people who would get hit first when 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 this big shit kind of goes down you know and and you had this kind of like dennis hopper was playing like a trump type character who's like you know runs into his tower and all of that and stuff and you know and 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 the chaos like makes its way through the building but it was just really interesting it's really interesting to see um how how that opens up again in relation to what you said about you know horror uh john um but we're not in this together Mm -hmm. (laughs) like let's let's just not like i'm i'm tired of kind of hearing that like even when i think on. A, a, a friendship-based level, like friendships of mine that are broken down, and like this virus is kind of added to that because it's added to the angst, it's added to the anxiety. But because of the different positions and privileges that that we we, we have or don't have, um, that that creates different kind of bubbles of experiences, and thus people respond differently to to said situation. Yeah. So um, I think you know, again, coming back to how that that relates to pa- uh, lament for power is. It, it it continues to talk about the the the, the difficulty held within uh, mine and David's relationship. As much as there is love and there is respect, there there is there is you know there 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 are economic you know uh, divides racial divides all of that and they're real mm. and 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 you know it's not about running away from that as far as I'm concerned. We haven't been, but you know so yeah
2: yeah I think I think we've got into it in a way this through this project, the um, Genetic Automata project, both um, Terrible Fiction and this film, we've got deeper into that. Like, um, Finding Fanon was very much like, um, you know, trying to form a conversation, trying to find a place, trying to, yeah, do the Stuart Hall thing of, you know, the unfinished conversation to get, get to the root things. But if it feels like in this project, we're really kind of delving deep into those much more difficult parts of um, where that is, how we deal with history, how we deal with our present position, and um, trying to face up to that. Um, and yeah, I, I can't stop thinking about um, Octavia Butler's um, parable of the Sower. Actually, it's it's such a a key. You know, it's it's a work of horror, I suppose, in a way. But you know, it's kind of post apocalyptic um, fantasy. Well, you know, if fantasies are bad. Um, and but it's it just touches on so much of um what we're what we're dealing with right now but also yeah um you know maybe where we're going
0: loads of us at at wising were reading that over the summer and (laughs) and defoe who was working with us kind of was was raving about it and we all started reading it there was a period in like late summer i was going into work listening to that on an audiobook in the in the car and then to relax playing playing the last of us two, and I was like this is actually, I don't think this really works yeah. it's like a, um,
2: yeah. yeah that's 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 hardcore kind of escaping from the escape with the escape sort of thing isn't <laughs> it? <good>. but yeah
0: <laughs> okay i'm gonna um i'm gonna open this open it up to some questions from the audience, so there's one that's just come in to kick 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 it off, so uh they've asked. I would like to know what your process is for creating a work like this. Would you start where would you start? Would you start with the script or the visuals?
1: Um, I think we we start with a conversation, first of all. I know that kind of sounds you know weird, but like the conversation really kind of links itself into so many things. So with every film, and I don't know how many films we've done now, 10, whatever, like we've done loads. A lot.
2: <laughs> we've done a lot.
1: <laughs> um we're all we're always we always have conversations about the things that we would like to talk about. Some of the things we perhaps hope to maybe achieve or open up. How it might sound. How mm. it would smell if it could smell. How you know what it tastes like. All all of those things. And then when we bring up those keywords and we bring those into like. Our- Especially messages through. Sorry, I pulled David into Signal. You used to be a WhatsApp. Guy. I don't know. Are you still a WhatsApp guy? But you know, like we we have. I'm straddling
2: the divide right now, Larry. There we go. We go.
1: <laughs> but um, you know, we have our we have our conversations. Um, you know, through through social media, loads of like voice notes and written notes and stuff. The sending of of links, and then that really kind of like gets the juices flowing. I guess for the written kind of aspect of it, the sound aspect. Um, for me it's pretty straightforward. Like sound is, is my thing, it's what I'm into. So I'm always kind of imagining different kinds of audios or things that would layer or work. So like I build, I guess, a library of of sounds and then we just make decisions. Or sometimes I'm like, yeah. okay, well I think this is gonna work better. Um, David has a focus perhaps on the editing aspect of where the visuals might go with, with the sound. Um, and, you know, in terms of like processes of like selecting you know people to to, to voice over. I think like going as far back as like fanon the, the the fanon project that was it was really important personally to 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 hear the voice of of of, of a black woman speaking. Like I guess because when I think about again histories of like like voiceovers or whatnot, you tend to hear like men or white men especially. And uh, that just wasn't cutting it for me. And if if David and I were gonna like collaborate collaborate together and bring together all these skills that we have. Then you know that again, the conversation has to be open further as well. Again, to think about our privilege as as men, right? Okay. So um, there are a range of different things, I guess, that take place. But the conversation has to be at the heart of that, and that just that feeds back and forth with loads of different things that we do um, later on. That kind of you know bring this this jigsaw puzzle of of um, sound, visual. Uh, you know, the the written word or the, the, the uh, monologue together.
2: Yeah, I guess it, it comes from like, um, you know, the research brings us stories and then we have particular images or perhaps games or, you know, some sort of artifact that's in the world that we want to bring into the thing. Like, and then it's just a matter of how do these things tie together? And it's a very organic process. I mean, we both have quite organic pr- practices anyway, both of us are not really... High, um, you know, figuring out every single part of the film before we've made it, we we make it kind of through the process, and uh, yeah, I think that's that's why 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 it works and why the work remains fresh, I guess, because it's not all tied down until you know you finally finish that edit and it's done, and then it's gone, and then you know we see what we've made. Um, okay, thank you.
0: I've just got two two more questions which have come. Um, From the—I nearly said the floor, but it's from like what's behind me, isn't it? Just cyber space. (laughs) My kind of cheesy photo. Um, So the first one um, asked whether you were able to get a reaction from the staff, the research staff at the university, how how they what they thought of the work.
2: You know what we haven't—I mean, we 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 shared the script with. Tony and Marco. Um, and, um, yeah, they had lots of thoughts about it and we incorporated some of them and some of them, you know, they were scientific, um, kind of quibbles rather than necessarily like, um, I don't know, poetic quibbles or whatever. So, uh, you, but it was really interesting to get their feedback on the script, but I, yeah, I don't know if, uh, Jess who runs, um, our exchange managed to get get the actual final film to them. I mean, it's the kind of thing that might,
0: you know, mm. if you were, if you'd been able to open the show <laughs> in the traditional manner, probably. This is, yeah, this is it. Yeah. The, yeah. That
2: that's kind of you know the normal normal shape of things would be they would come to the opening or like you know you'd have that that fanfare. It's it's been really it has been really weird kind of making. Shows knowing that it's there in in as a kind of physical reality and never actually visiting it. I mean, I don't think done that before with a with like a solo show like this. Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So there's a question from
0: Juha in Amsterdam. Um, Hi, Juha. So, what career advice would you have for <laughs> art students graduating this year?
1: Oh god.
2: Oh, uh, um, hustle. <laughs> all right,
1: all right. So, I think also there's, that I would like to pull that question for, for, for students who perhaps like, uh, you know, thinking of like repeating or people, you know, um, and and it is a really difficult period. Like, I'm I, I tutor at the, at the Royal College of Art, I've done so for five years, um, and and all through this period, I've witnessed students who have decided to. Uh, defer or you know repeat their year thinking that this year would be easier and everything would be open back up again. Obviously it's not. Um it's a really tough one. And I think obviously the decisions that said students make at the end of the day, they 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 have to they have to use their own perhaps instincts as a result of the things that they understand. Um one of the things I would say is, you know, <laughs> it's. Yeah, I don't care if I'm bollocking for this, like, you know, fight, you have to fight for, unfortunately, for uh, the things that you deserve. Like, I don't, I don't understand where, you know, the fees are the same, like compared to previous years and you're just indoors. Like what's happening with that money? What's going on with, you know, Um, but also, but also it's, 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 it's a tough, it's a tough period to create things, don't try and force yourself to create or do things in the same way that you would do. Because mm. it doesn't matter what way you try and butter it. Like you can't get in the studio the same way that you could. I can't even get into the the, the studio. I make physical things in. I just can't because like it's just ridiculous. The cramped corridors and that. I'm not willing to take no risks and then take any of that stuff to my kids, let alone my mum who's high risk, or my my younger sister who's high risk, or my son. So. I think um, utilizing the technology to, to to keep communication with each other. I'm not saying, therefore, mm. I stay on Instagram all the time or whatever, but really try to to, to use that in a way that's going to to help you uh, create and build those conversations with those other students who are, are experiencing similar. Mm. Um, and uh, And also, in terms of like repeating years. But this especially goes out to the folk that can't re- afford it. Don't. I wouldn't repeat. I just wouldn't. Like, if you can't afford it, then why? Like, you can't do the same thing as, like, the, the next person with loads of cash or whatnot. I think that is where, yeah, that that uh, the, the word hustle comes into it, unfortunately. Or fortunately, because um, even for me, when when I think about building up through... The, uh, the, the art scene so much of it has been an, an, an incredible like hustle back and forth and, and and learning what I have like kind of like growing up in, in in impoverished conditions to kind of apply that to what what's being done here i think there's there's a connection or similarity with with things there, but um use that system on itself and you're owed it you're owed the the, the opportunity to continue utilizing those facilities when things hopefully open up at some point in time but you know, don't do the thing that everyone else is doing. Or if you think about the art scene, most of those people who who have so many privileges to do that stuff, do what what is going to be working for you, because they're not going to be there when 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 all of the all all of the institutional nonsense of like of a, of, of, of of art school is is kind of like faded away or whatnot. So yeah, I hope that's <laughs> hope that's a helpful answer.
2: Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's it's. Find your people and try and form, you know, some sort of new communities to, to support each other because that's that's how we're gonna get through this thing. Um, it's got to be got to be together.
0: Okay, thank you. I think that's quite a positive note to or to, to end things on maybe. Um, okay, well, yeah, thank you um, for joining us tonight. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, David, for sharing your thoughts. Thank you, John. And um, yeah, thank you to our partners, Art Exchange, Focal Point Gallery. And just want to also mention uh, Louise Pepper, who's been doing the captioning and trying to keep up with our conversation. And yeah, also thanks to the Wising team, uh, Lizzie, Rhiannon, and Chloe for just putting the event together. Um, If anybody wants to watch the film again, it's on the Art Exchange website, I believe. And if you can also see it outside focal point on the big screen, if you're able to travel there safely, um, we are planning to archive this conversation, so that should be available for for viewing and downloading to listen to um, in a podcast in the next few days. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks everyone, and see you soon.
2: Cheers. Thank you very much, John. I think the film's also on the focal point website as well. So okay, um, yeah, yeah. Um, um thank you john and yeah yeah. see you soon larry
1: in a bit mate (laughs)